Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of the Cody Krillin Calvet podcast. Uh, today is uh, all about business, the business of veterinary medicine. I have this really complicated sort of scheduling that I have for this podcast. Everything is planned out to the detail. In actuality, I just take screenshots of questions that you guys have been asking me and I intermix that with things that are top of mind uh, within what I'm doing in practice and things that are just going on. So the last two questions that I screenshotted, so I get a question and screenshot it. The last two questions that I screenshotted just happened to be business type questions and and the, me talking about the business of veterinary medicine is certainly one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast as well. Uh, talking about business within the vlog and like following me around and all of my business things certainly is a bit of a trick. Uh, it, it's difficult to translate to, I guess, what the vlog exists now. It's not very medicine-y. It's not kind of out in the field talking to farmers a lot of my time on a day-to-day basis is spent on business things. So tons of meetings uh, with my partners, with uh, employees, with my veterinary buying group, uh, Mosaic Veterinary Partners. So a lot of it, you know, is, is just not stuff that I can like share the exact details, like just have a camera rolling in the meetings. Uh, I think I could to a greater extent, but I really like the long form, me being able to get into details and just talking to you guys about some of the things that are going through my head with some of these questions and some of the things that crop up. So yeah, I'm really excited that I have this sort of platform to be able to talk to you guys about all the businessy things. And certainly within the the future of my career, uh, just the way that the practice is going and the transition from my existing partners, uh, it's just going to become a bigger and bigger part of my job to the point where I probably won't be going out into the field as often. You know, I know I'm talking about like a five to 10 year perspective. So uh, it'll just become more and more a part of my life. And right now I'm intermixing it with being a field vet. During the slow season, I'm probably spending almost three quarters of my time in the day-to-day doing business stuff and only one quarter doing veterinary appointments. Uh, And you guys that watch the vlog, that's like 10 to 20 minutes of my entire day that you guys get to see. So I love being able to talk about these types of topics and certainly will continue in the future. So the first question comes from Rick Gilbert. Rick is a longtime Palpation Nation member. So the question is, how does Cody the businessman decide to purchase another practice? What kind of things go into that decision? And every time you get involved in another practice, does it make you more of a a manager and less time spent doing CalVet things? So very good and astute question from Rick. Right now... 
Uh, the deal is closed. I'm just probably a few days away from announcing our next acquisition. So we have another practice that's coming online in Mosaic. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I'm excited about them all. But yeah, this one has been a while coming. Uh, these business deals don't happen overnight. So there's certainly a lot of meetings that go into them, a lot of financial assessment, a lot of dealings with advisors and internal meetings and with bankers and with lawyers. So it's always very sweet when, when the deal closes and we can just go ahead and announce uh, like I said, this one is closed, so I could probably announce it right now, but we've just been keeping it quiet for a few days and let the dust settle as we're just kind of transitioning through and, and kind of ironing out the, the final details. So to Rick's question, the, I guess the first question is, oh, how do I decide which practice to purchase? So it's a very complex multifactorial sort of thing. There's two different types of, of practices that we kind of look for within a subset. And, and that subset is, is gem practices. We had discussions long and hard about the difference between going into a very well-respected, well-established practice versus going into a practice that would be what's called a turnaround. So one that is not functioning well, uh, one that has a toxic culture, one where the, you know, the owner is struggling, the practice is struggling. Those aren't the types of practices that we're looking uh, to align with at this point. We certainly think that probably in the future we'll be able to have the, the ability and the resources to, to go in and do these turnaround type uh, projects. But for the time being, uh, what, what we're doing is partnering with those gems, those amazing practices that have amazing reputations. And if you guys have seen the practices that we've partnered with so far, uh, the Fairview uh, Veterinary Clinic, the High Prairie Veterinary Clinic, the Peace River Veterinary Clinic, they are all extremely well-respected within the profession, well-respected within their communities. They were practices that we wanted to be a part of. Now, the second part of that is just kind of like the uh, talking about the existing ownership and what sort of demographics exist for people that would want to partner with Mosaic Veterinary Partners. So the first off is the ones that are looking to retire. So ones that don't necessarily have a succession plan in place or, or some that do, uh, but it's just not the right timing. Uh, the, the other maybe partner succession person that's coming on board isn't equipped with all of the skills uh, from a management perspective to be able to, to onboard and, and take the lead. So it's kind of that retirement thing. So people that are ready to just retire, uh, practitioners that have spent their entire life building this, these practices up, and they're, they're looking to walk away and uh, you know transition to a company or a person or organization that they trust, that they know is going to respect what they've built. They're going to respect their clients. They're going to respect the community. They're going to respect their employees. So it's kind of the the end of their career veterinarians that, that we have partnered with uh, in the past. And then the other side, the flip side to that, is the young veterinarians, the like superstars that have built up these amazing practices that have been doing an amazing job 
but are looking for more. And whether that is more work-life balance, uh, the ability to access all of the amazing resources that we have at Mosaic, uh, from our, you know, from the top level with our CEO, uh, Dr. Greg Andrews, all the way uh, down to somebody like me who's providing support, uh, mostly from a technical aspect on the cow-calf and feedlot side, making sure that all of our practices are, are practicing the best quality bovine medicine that is possible and everything in between all of the amazing people that we have within the practice, uh, within the management group. So things that we could provide for these types of young practitioners where we partner in with them, that's usually our preference when we have a, a young, engaged practice owner is we don't want to buy them outright. We want to partner with them. That's part of our name, Mosaic Veterinary Partners. We want to partner with them and make these practices uh, have a, a long, healthy life uh, to, to provide support, to care for the community, to care for the practice, to care for the clients, and, and just keep things moving forward and just implement uh, all of those kind of expertise and, and specialties that we have within our group. That is the case with our newest acquisition, an amazing, amazing practice owner uh, doing so many things so right uh, that that is just looking to partner with us because they want their practice to be sustainable in the future and, and to make sure that all of the, I guess, T's are being crossed and the I's are being dotted and having the, the ability for their team to access into what we have and, and just provide that level of support. The, that word support is so incredibly important to our group. So yeah, that's kind of what we're looking for from like a global standpoint. So really well-ran, well-respected practices. And then within that, the, the kind of demographic, the, the ones that want to partner with us uh, for the long term, and then those who are also looking to turn their practices over to a group of veterinarians who are successful in their own right and, and running their businesses and, and keep what they've built uh, over the last 20 to 40 years uh, sustainable and, and moving forward. The next part of that is, is kind of a combination of, of geography. Are we going to be able to serve that? Does it make sense within the pocket? Uh, what type of competition there is in the area? What type of relationships do we have with the other practices that could be uh, within that, that practice sphere and the, the financial aspect as well? So obviously, we need to be able to invest in a practice that we can cash flow, right? We're, we want these to be sustainable businesses. We want to, uh, at the very least, uh, have enough money left over at the end of the year to, to pay payroll and to invest back into those practices. Uh, so, so they do have to be financially sustainable. And from that perspective, all practices are, are essentially financially uh, sustainable. It's just that the practice price, you know, what we're paying to, to buy that practice has to be in line with that cash flow. So a lot of time goes into 
uh, looking through that uh, all of the, the financial records over the last several years uh, and really analyzing that, doing risk benefits uh, and, and really teasing out what, uh, what potential opportunities exist. And just from a broad business uh, perspective, whether it's a, a tire shop or a restaurant or a veterinary practice that uh, we're going to be able to to invest into these practices and that they're going to be able to, to pay for themselves. Uh, it's no different in, in any sort of sphere of business. So that's really what we're looking for and how we make that decision. Uh, there's been, I guess, all different sort of levels of engagement that we've got from prospective sellers. Uh, you know, there's there's some practices that are just looking to see what price we're going to give them, uh, and they weren't really serious about selling. That's fine. Uh, and, and then there's certainly some that contact us, and it's just not a, a right fit. And in most cases, it's not a, a right fit forever. It's more just kind of a, is it a right fit right now sort of situation? What else do we have on the go? What other opportunities do we have? And uh, do we have the, the team available to kind of support that type of, that type of practice, whatever it is? Uh, we have very high ambitions in terms of what we're trying to do. We're certainly in a growth phase. We're reinvesting uh, back into the management team. We're investing into these practices hardcore, uh, providing new equipment, providing support staff, uh, providing inventory management systems, um, veterinary software, uh, new ultrasounds, new DRs, lab equipment, brokering deals. It's just a, yeah, an ongoing uh, level of support that we're doing there. So the other part of Rick's question was how much uh, every time we bring a new practice on board in terms of my involvement, does that take away from my, my regular day-to-day practice? And to date, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, certainly, it, it is a lot of meetings. It's a lot of uh, one-on-one discussions I've had. This week is Thursday, um, and it was a long weekend. So three days into this week, and I've had about three or four meetings uh, specifically pertaining to Mosaic, uh, and then some phone calls and some texts and some emails and stuff like that. So it does take up a proportion, and certainly every practice that we bring online it does take a little bit more time uh, especially during the 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 first several months uh, because there's lots of training and lots of integration lots of uh, communication Uh, and then also we also take a lot of time in kind of that strategic planning and what are the next steps and how are we going to convey that message and what are we going to do uh, to hire new veterinarians? And, and that's kind of one of my specialties within the group is, uh, you know, strategically planning on how we're going to keep these practices staffed. Uh, what are some of the strategic things that we're going to do in the future to be able to make sure that we have a steady stream of, of really amazing veterinarians going into these practices to support them and to support the communities if we fast forwarded to say five years from from now uh yeah it will take an even greater uh, proportion of my time as a practicing veterinarian and that's my goal that's what i want that's my my vision and my future uh i love running 
businesses. I love running practices. I love every aspect of veterinary medicine. So of course I'm going to love that. And, and what we're building at Mosaic, I feel is truly special. And I, I'm so excited to just be able to share that specialness with the rest of the veterinary community. So yeah, it takes up more time, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And uh, we're able to still do all of the amazing things that we're doing at my CalVet practice and, and continue to grow and diversify in, in our other business ventures as well. The next question comes from Emily Roos. Emily is wondering if I could discuss veterinary salaries and schedules. Uh, she says, not exactly a topic many people are comfortable asking or speaking about. And then she also asks, is it difficult to start your own practice? And is there any advice or cautionary tales uh, that I might want to talk about? So the first part of that is discussing veterinary salaries and schedules. Within the... I guess the, the market that I'm in right now, and certainly it, it, salaries is very geographically dependent. Uh, I've talked with a lot of different veterinarians from a lot of different areas across North America, and salaries are all over the map. There's pockets within rural U.S. where I've heard veterinarians, uh, their, their first year out salaries are in that $35,000 U.S. range, which is like a million dollars Canadian. It's not quite that bad. Uh, all the way up to some really competitive areas where veterinarians are getting like $40,000 signing bonuses to, to come on, on board. Mostly those are in like the small animal corporate type practices. Uh, and certainly there's a lot of baggage attached to a $40,000 signing bonus, uh, including very long uh, contracts uh, and uh, not very nice uh, path out of those contracts if one so chooses to, to get out of one. Within the Alberta job market right now, so where the majority of our practices are, um, most starting wages for a new grad coming out would be in that usually seventy-five to $85,000 uh, Canadian range. Uh, I would say most are probably landing right around that 80000 mark. My first job out in practice was at Vedegger Health Services, uh, and I was right in that $75,000 range. Most, and that's just based off of the some of the surveys that have gone out within the profession, um, most associates will kind of, uh, with af after five years, would be in that $100,000 range. And then uh, associates that are very experienced and about 10 years out in practice would be in that $120,000 range. Usually those associates will start to get put on uh, different production bonuses. So whether that's a production of or a percentage of their production, uh, you know, a production uh, salary kind of pro sale basis would be around that 22%. So uh, getting about 22% of the services that you're billing out. Um, that's typically not including prescription refills or... Uh, you know, prescription products or dog food, usually that percentage is a lot less just because the margins that veterinary practices make on those types of things are quite a bit lower than, than what the margin would be on services. Uh, you know, if you're thinking about services, uh, 
you know, a vet making that kind of 80, $85,000 range would essentially be making about that 45 to $50 per hour. Uh, whereas the, the veterinary hospital would be billing out at about $200 an hour. That's kind of like an average rate uh, that, that practices would try to aim for in billing out when we're talking about like consulting services and stuff like that. So that's why the margin is quite a bit different in, and practices can afford to uh, pay kind of in that 20 to 24%. I've never seen much higher than that. Uh, but there's there's a lot of different ways that you can certainly manage that. Uh, the benefits can vary greatly. Uh, it's pretty standard that health benefits are included in that, um, that there is um, vacation that is kind of in that three to four week range for starting veterinarians, and also the CE allowance, so the continuing education allowance, typically around that $1,500 to $3,000 range uh, per year, plus about five days off for uh, being able to take time off to go to that continuing education. And then there's certainly some other bonuses uh, like uh, emergency call fees. So it would not be uncommon for a veterinarian to have in their contract to an emergency call fee uh, bonus. So if you get called out in the middle of the night, uh, typically a practice would charge around like $100 uh, extra just because that's kind of an emergency after hours fee. Most of the time the veterinarian would get all of that uh, and then about 50% of any of the things that they're doing. So let's say you're going out and doing a calving, it costs $200 you would get 50% of that and then you would get your $100 um, emergency call fee. So it, it's usually enough to, to just make the veterinarian feel like it was worth, in quotes, uh, getting out of bed and, and getting some sort of financial compensation for the uh, drudgery, is drudgery a word, for the inconvenience of being on call. Sometimes it's a flat rate, but... Uh, there's so many different permutations, but that's kind of like the range in terms of, of veterinary salaries uh, as a as a practice owner to kind of get above that range. Uh, usually the, uh, an associate veterinarian would then have to be doing a fair bit of management as well. So kind of like getting a, a management fee or management bonus on top of that if they were doing significant management. Uh, but but like I said, it varies so much across the board and specifically within the geography. I try to hire a veterinarian out of uh, the Kentucky area and I had a really hard time getting them to move based off of what I could hire based off of the job market that is here. For whatever reason, the job market there was just insane. Like I think they were making like 160000 U.S. as an emergency uh, small animal vet, which is a lot of money. The second part of Emily's question is... Any, is it difficult to start your own practice? Uh, any advice or cautionary tales? Yeah, starting your own practice from scratch certainly can be difficult. Uh, I've, I guess, had the fortune or maybe not the fortune of, of buying into a practice, buying into an established practice. And that's seemingly a lot less scary because that's basically just a math problem. You know how much that practice is making, how much your dividends are, what the cash flow is, and uh, you're just seeing if you can 
you can service that debt load. Most veterinarians buying into practice should be able to uh, pay for their proportion of shares based off of the available cash flow through dividends within that four to ten year range. I think five to six years is is pretty standard, uh, depending on what they're doing, investing in other things. But if they were just dedicating that cash flow back into their debt to service that debt load, it would be in that range. Obviously, if they also have a high level of student debt, uh, they're probably diverting some of that cash flow to paying off student debt and not necessarily paying off that loan for their practice. When starting your own, it can be very scary from what I've seen because that cash flow isn't guaranteed, right? Uh, a lot of times you're, what, what a practice is worth is based off of the goodwill. So you're purchasing a certain proportion of that goodwill that that practice has built up over the years. Uh, when you're starting your own practice, you're essentially just buying equipment, buying building space and starting that up, which, which can be expensive, but you're not buying any goodwill. You have to build that up with, with blood, sweat and tears. So it can be difficult to be able to know exactly what your cash flow is going to be. And, and really that's like the biggest precautionary tale is, is cash is king, right? You have to just have the ability to service that debt load. And if you don't have the ability to service that debt load, then you're going to go out of business. That's why 90% of restaurants uh, that that start up will go out of business is just a cash flow problem uh the just the inability to service that debt load and they just have to close the door it's sad but but that's the the biggest thing uh invest from my perspective, investing in people is another big thing that I see um hearing stories uh practices that that are startups certainly have a hard time uh, not burning out the practice owner within the first few months to few years uh, because they're just unable to kind of sacrifice that cash flow in order to invest in people and people make all the difference the ability to have enough people to offload and let you do the good things that that you're good at uh, and have them do the things that you're not so good at is is really important so having enough available cash flow to make sure that you have enough manpower is that politically correct to say manpower employee power as long as you have enough employee power and cash flow you should be okay but do your research crunch your math talk to advisors uh, look to mentors uh, the math has to work it just absolutely has to work and yeah there's going to be uh, some speculation and some blanks that, that that you'll need to fill once you're in practice but but don't be too crazy risky and i'm like I'm a pretty risky guy. I've, I've taken some pretty big business risks, but I've always made sure that my cash flow is, uh, is in line and not putting my family in jeopardy too often. Okay, that's the business of veterinary medicine. Thank you guys so much for reaching out and asking questions. Like I said, if I get some good questions, I just screenshot it and uh, it may show up in a future podcast. I appreciate all the reviews on iTunes and all the other podcast apps that you guys have uh, that you guys have reviewed. Really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate very much 
any kind of communication that you guys have. So if you guys have any questions and you want to reach out to me, my email is Cody at CodyCreelman.com or go to my Facebook page or leave a comment on YouTube or send me a tweet or snap or I'm on all the things. Okay, guys, see you next time.